All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. Change is gonna come. Change gonna come. Uh, I am making my exit from the radio world. Yep. Isn't that wild? It's really wild. After living most of my professional life, actually all of my professional life, really, yeah, post-university, inside of radio i'm leaving to uh to go and and start uh start for a small startup doing doing sales that's really exciting good for you it's great i'm really excited for it yeah i think that's so cool uh i will i i I will miss you i don't know if i've said that yet but it also is like very clear to me that thanks to this podcast we have this really well integrated standing plan this standing time capsule right so i will lives (laughs) when i exit your life once and for all (laughs) we captured my house my wedding it's gonna be your wedding now my new job i'll still be able to remember you by listening to old show shows that's right no no we're gonna keep doing it right yes we're gonna continue to i'm not saying i'm exiting the show show that would be i I'm in a lifetime contract. That's what I'm saying. I actually th- I thought about that recently. I was I was talking with somebody about the show show, and I think I just said like, you know, maybe if Slaney and I, and then I stopped myself, and I was like, well, maybe Slaney and I will always do the show show. <laughs> like, there's no reason we can't be doing the show show when we're in our 60s. I think that hinges on you. If you start to lose the time to do the editing, that's that's really the only. It's fine for me to come over and chat. I mean, I don't. I don't have enough time anyway. I've never had enough time. Right. I just, I, I hate having any moments of freedom. That's fair. Which is why if I were you, I would have uh, gotten the new job and kept the old job. Oh, you think that I should have just yeah. done both. Yeah. Daylighted what and a, moonlighted. What a wuss. <laughs> hey, man, we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll play the new schedule by year. And then if I find I've got plenty of time, then we should, do, we should move up to five casts a week. Monday to Friday. Monday to Friday. Yeah, they come out at 6 a.m. Yeah, exactly. We can do like the armchair expert thing where... Yeah, what is that, by the way? Why are they putting out shows every day now? So, yeah, Monday... Well, okay, first of all, they do, yeah, they do the Monday interview with a celeb usually. Yeah. And then they do a Friday interview with an expert. Yeah. But recently, they've been adding in... I think they're putting the Wednesday episode with an expert and then the friday is armchair and dangerous which is a guy who comes on and talks about conspiracy theories which is also kind of interesting sure it's like a total twist they all have different theme songs and i don't know who does their theme songs but they're tremendously talented and i think it's the same person i do like the main theme song yeah the other ones are are even more interesting maybe i've just never listened to an expert episode because i only care about celebrities they started it's a character flaw of mine give it a chance because like some of them are like some of the psychologists and stuff are kind of interesting yeah um but uh they have this other thing that was called the race to 270 and it was when dax's friend aaron weekly who like recently got sober within the last year and just seems like a hilarious person yes um got uh he wanted to, he was over 300 pounds. Oh, no way. He was like 330, I think. Jeez. Okay. I didn't realize. And their other friend, uh, Charlie, who was like a smaller guy, but like very fit, was like 210 pounds, yeah. but wanted to get to 270. So it was called the race to 270, one trying to gain enough weight to get there and the other trying to lose enough weight to get there. That's a hilarious premise. It I love it. So like, honestly, you should listen to all of the race to 270 because beginning middle. Well, I only really listened to the last like three episodes of it, but mm-hmm. I think they only had like six episodes 
and they're so funny. My podcast feed has been depleted ever since I stopped having a Dawson's Creek rewatch podcast to listen to. Oh, so yeah. I, I I'm constantly running out of things to listen to. So maybe I'll I'll go back on that. You should tune into that. I I was gonna actually text you the other day to to say what podcast should I be listening to right now because I feel like I haven't listened to that many lately. I don't know. I just started listening to an episode of um, Reply All, which is a New York Times uh, podcast. They did yeah. a whole episode about the song Driver's License. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, and just as like what an interesting cultural artifact it is because it kind of represents this changing of the guard in popular music because you either know that that song is the biggest song in the world or you have no idea that the song Driver's License exists at all and it's yeah. not even on your radar and it isn't necessarily a sign of you being out of touch, but it's just like the way songs are entering the stratosphere now is a totally new animal. Even Kate the other day at work, who's our age. Yeah. I mentioned that song to her and asked if she'd heard it. And she was like, no, I played it on YouTube. She still hadn't heard it. Like I kind of played yeah. it without much reaction from her. Like we just both kind of continued working, but I'm pretty lukewarm on that song, by the way. And I like a sappy love song very yeah. much. I just, I don't really see what's remarkable about it. It's strange that it's really cut through in such a way. Like, I think it's more the, I think it might be more the message of the song. That's kind of like a heartbreaking premise. I yeah, guess, but that's but happened a lot. Totally. I know. I, I, I'm not sure what it is. Do you think maybe there's some like weird digital like earmarks in there that like it's mind fucking us? It's, it's hypnotic. Yeah, maybe it's hypnotic. I mean, there have been songs like that before. That's mm. that's how Gangnam Style became. But also like they're subconsciously feeding us something like like you are worthwhile or you are in love, or worthy of love. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you think we're getting like like drink pepsi subliminal yeah, messaging we're getting our brains fed by this song somehow <laughs> by olivia rodrigo yeah. <laughs> she you figured what, it out you know what i think is kind of special about it is like a lot of popular music by 18 year olds um is inherently juvenile in premise but they try really hard to make the 18 year old uh pop star seem like she's an adult right that's kind of the whole ariana grande milieu right is yeah. that she like she looks like you could put her in your pocket, mm -hmm. but she like talks like she's a 50 year old woman <laughs> and she sings like she's a 50 year old woman. Right. And that's fine. But like, there's something so literally juvenile about, I got my driver's license last week. Yeah. So that's my theory sure. about it is that like it, it's first of all, um, universal. Like we all relate to this very specific example of what it's like being that vulnerable at that age. Right. And she's not at all hiding that or the package of Olivia Rodrigo is not at all hiding that vulnerability she's doing a better job of selling a vibe than most songs yeah i guess so. you're going back like yeah it's rare like unless there's a song about the prom or something but even then it's like it's not completely yeah everyone can can kind of relate to you know having their heart broken in high school mm -hmm. and, and being a little stalkery with your driver with your your driver's license yeah although it's funny because really you're not driving by someone's house usually well, maybe you are i was just thinking they're probably in a time where they're like you know in my day it was let's go on msn and see if someone changed their away message to yep. okay well, what are people on facebook doing to uh yeah driving by was not as much of a thing well there's also this whole built-in narrative to the song about the semi-celebrities who may be involved in the story of it of the heartbreak yeah it's kind of like uh young kind of teeny bopper guys that disney might stars been. right yeah high school musical girl meets world stars <laughs> maybe that's why she should have just called them out by name in it 
Well, yeah. I mean, that's what Ariana Grande would do. Right. True. (laughs) Yeah. Fair. Did not expect that particular uh, tangent. But as long as we're talking about uh, interesting things people do on the internet, I'd be remiss not to uh, take our opportunity to have the last word on the cinnamon toast shrimp scandal. Oh, the last word. You're going to have the last word right now? I don't think anything more is going to get said about it. Okay. I think it's over. Gotcha. But you're up to speed on what's going on I here? I am. It's Topanga's husband. Okay, so that's, that's, that's a huge part of what I wanted to discuss. Great. So to catch anybody up, if they're not exactly in on it, this happened on, I guess, Tuesday. I woke up to a very interesting Twitter thread from this guy, Jensen Karp, who's like a writer, mm-hmm. who alleges that his box of uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch bought at Costco had uh, severed shrimp tails in the cereal. Yeah, like two sh- severed shrimp tails that looked like they were coated in in um, like cinnamon, cinnamon sugar. sugar. Yeah. But also maybe rat droppings. Okay. And then nobody's talking about the other bag he also claims to have, which was taped up and in the inside was dental floss. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. And so he tweets at CT Crunch and then ultimately General Mills to be like, hey, what the fuck? And they get back to him and... In fairness, they are a little weird and cagey about it, and they're kind of writing it off. They kind of give, like, the obligatory response you get from these manufacturers when you have some kind of quality control concern. Uh, And they say, uh, we'd like to send you a voucher for... Basically, we want to send you, like, $3.95 to to make up for this bag. And he's like, that's not going to do. And so then they claim that they'd like him to mail the specimen (laughs) so that they can investigate it. Yeah, And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that because you're just going to sweep this under the rug. And so after still maintaining that it definitely isn't shrimp tails. Well, that's, that's the most, that's the most important part of their uh, involvement in the story is that they, they say in their message to him, we've had our experts uh, analyze your photo. And what's happened here is that those aren't shrimp tails, but sometimes the sugar dries and crystallizes and shapes like shrimp tails. And so that's what you have. And I mean, you can look at the photos. It's, there's no way it's anything but shrimp his, tails. His response to that was so funny that I yeah. laughed out loud where he said, well, now I just find it's really weird that you guys are gaslighting me into thinking that these aren't shrimp tails. And, and they so clearly are. he got sponsored by a local lab to do the test privately. And he and they basically say, like, we're going to send FedEx over to get this. Like, at this point, they're starting to see maybe we, we shouldn't have been so uh, cavalier about telling somebody to go away when they have hundreds of thousands of Twitter followers. Right. Because this is starting to look bad on us. Um, and so just a, a couple of interesting uh, uh, pieces of context. You you mentioned that his wife is Topanga. Yes. Danielle Fischel. It's notable that he bought the Cinnamon Toast Crunch at the Costco in Topanga, California. Okay. Love it. Uh, someone named Fischel is now married to someone named Carp, and allegedly he found seafood in his cereal. And just for what it's worth, Topanga most famously in the 90s dated Lance Bass. So this is a woman named Fischl who's now me. been with someone named Bass, Bass and someone named Carp, and the person named Carp allegedly found seafood in his in his the, cereal. Mike Trout is a baseball player, so that would be like the well, third gang. Yeah. Well, who knows what the status of their relationship is right now, but if you were to believe the next element of the narrative, maybe we want better for Topanga. Because late yesterday afternoon, tweets start coming out from a Melissa Stetton, who claims to have had a very emotionally abusive relationship with Jensen Karp. 
And if that's just one person, then that's just one person. But that incites this barrage of people jumping on and being like, me too, fuck that guy. Whoa. Men and women, that guy has lied straight to my face, so don't believe everything you read. You that are guy stole, kidding me. That guy stole my podcast. That guy told me he can't believe I haven't killed myself yet. Basically, like like dozens of pieces of anecdotal evidence that Jensen Karp can't necessarily be trusted. Right. Interesting thing about Melissa Stetton uh, is that she plays on a basketball team you might have heard of before called the Shrimp Pistols. <laughs> You're kidding. This is a true fact. What? Yeah. The Shrimp Pistols? So the Shrimp Pistols is Aubrey Plaza's uh, all-girls uh, rec basketball team, about which there was a documentary. And really? Melissa Stetton produced the documentary about her own basketball team. Did you watch this documentary? mm I'm interested in that documentary. If only for the like long laundry list of fascinating fish connections. Well, that too. By the way, nobody else is mentioning that in 2009, General Mills was also accused of having shrimp tails in some frozen blueberries. That was tweeted by Jensen Karp at one point. I did see that. But like, why isn't that like, that is suspicious. (laughs) Yeah, this is strike two. Man, this rabbit hole goes deep. Do we think that he's a victim of Big General? I think he probably found the shrimp tails in his cereal. Yeah. But I also think that's maybe the most elegant example of karma I've ever heard. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, he's like, he, now he's just wishing he never said anything. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, there's another important piece. Please tell. Exactly a year ago, mm-hmm. in March of 2020, Danielle Fischel was paid to do a product placement endorsement on her social media of uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch Coffee Creamer. So they have a very weird relationship with this company. What is going on? It also makes it very confusing that he didn't have a more direct contact to the organization. That he's like tweeting at CT Crunch rather than being like, hey, honey, can you email that guy you know at General Mills? Because this is weird. So we're we're like one year away from a full-on Netflix documentary about this. I think so. It's a huge thing. And, and the Melissa Stetton stuff really stopped his momentum in its tracks. And that's yeah. why I think the story is over. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad to have that side of it. Yeah, 100%. Wow, I need to revisit that with Kate because we were going through it yeah. at work. Jen sent me a Barstool article, actually, that made her laugh out loud. That was basically describing the whole scenario. And the the claim that this guy was making on Barstool was so funny because he was like, I mean, you got to think, how many shrimp tails have you heard of in, in Cinnamon Toast Crunch before? I mean, there's got to have been trillions of bags made. And so far, this is the one with shrimp tails in it. That's a pretty good ratio, if you ask me. Yeah. And he goes on to say something like, I mean, hey, maybe 10 years from now, we're going to find a lobster claw in a bag. Hopefully. One can dream, right? <laughs> like someone else says, stuff happens when you party naked. <laughs> well, like, and, and also, I think um, I think it's a bad faith argument for an organization as big as General Mills to be like, it is impossible for that to have made it into our bag. What do you mean impossible? Nothing is Nothing impossible. impossible. Listen you, to Kevin Garnett in the 2008 2008- World champions. You have thousands of employees working in factory. Anything is possible. And it might have been deliberate. Yeah. Might have been. Yeah, it's true. All it takes is one jaded employee. Quite frankly, I'm surprised more stuff hasn't ended up in bags of Cinnamon Toast Crunch and other cereals. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it is a problem because people are allergic to shellfish. That's an issue. If it's real. Yeah. Um, And he does claim to have eaten a bowl of it. Oh, eaten the bowl before? Yeah. 
The rat droppings is more disgusting, and the dental floss, for that matter. But he didn't eat into that bag. You know what's so funny? Um, all of this? All of that. Except for the abuse stuff? But would would a, a shrimp tail coated in, like, if you were like, this looks a lot like a shrimp tail. Wait a second, this is a shrimp tail. Hmm. Would you throw it out? <laughs> or would you just eat the box? Because CTC is pretty good. It is, well, that's that's my takeaway from all this, is that all of this disgusting rhetoric, and I have been craving CT Crunch. <laughs> it has not slowed me down at no. all. No. And shrimp. I want a shrimp ring and some CT Crunch. It's the most delicious breakfast cereal you could ever treat yourself what to. What if it inspires like a whole new culinary revolution for shrimp where you can get like cinnamon-crusted shrimp at, at the Bicycle Thieves yes. now or something? Yes. Or like Jensen Carp's going to open up a... a I was going to say a bait and tackle shop. See, I won't go right. there, but I'll go to Mike Trout's bait and tackle shop. There you go. Mike Trout. I think he dates a celebrity too. Anyway, I'm sorry Topanga's mixed up in this, but I'm also not sure she's she's totally innocent. She's hawking that coffee creamer, which by the way, sounds disgusting. Uh, she needs, uh, it. she's got to go to Feeney. Yes, Feeney would know what to do. He's Feeney on Cameo. Knows. She should pay for a Feeney Cameo. Seriously? And ask for advice. That's amazing. Yeah. That's it's, a good cameo. It's really yet. sweet. All of his cameos are kind of the same. Like he says, like, happy birthday. I hear you're 17 today in the immortal words of George Feeney. And then he says like that famous last quote from Boy Meets World. What was that famous last quote? Like, I think you, you've all like grown up and uh, you've all become like outstanding adults I, I, or something the, the, right before my eyes. The part that stands out to me is he said the last line is do good. And Topanga says, don't you mean do well? And he says, no, I mean, do good. And then... Eric says, there's only one thing left. Tell us you love us. And he refuses. He's like, I won't, I won't say I love all, I like all my students the same. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not showing favoritism. Uh, um, and he's like, okay, that's fine. And then the, the kids leave. And then George looks at the empty room and he goes, I love you all class dismissed. Ah, uh, it's a beautiful ending. That is really nice. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, we just finished Broadchurch. We watched all three seasons. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, it was, it was a good watch. It wasn't like, very joy bringing or anything no but uh i just love that like it's not a spoiler alert at all there's two detectives through the whole series yeah and in the last scene uh olivia coleman goes like all right what now do you want to go to the pub and uh uh david Tennant just goes like mm, nah i should get going <laughs> it's like they're both still going to be cops together but like yeah. he shuts her down <laughs> they've never been to the pub together or anything it, it almost seems like it's going to tie it up really nicely and he's like, oh so that's nah. the idea it's not like they've constantly been at the pub and he finally says no yeah he still no, says no he's just they've never hung out privately except like one time that's good that's funny yeah so the show can be kind of funny yeah yeah you're right it can it can be kind of funny there are elements olivia coleman especially is like between the, those two Isn't characters. she spectacular, actually? She's really good. Yeah. She's kind really of great in everything good. I've ever seen. The first season is actually, like, incredible and, like, soul-crushing. I but worked really hard on a, 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 a compact list of all the Oscar nominations, and I realize now it's in my bag downstairs. Oh, geez. We haven't talked about the Oscar nomination. I don't know if there's a whole lot for us to say. There's not a lot of great shockers. No. I was really pumped about Sound of Metal. You've, you watched Sound of Metal. Saw Sound of Metal. I uh, don't want to give anything away, because nope. I, I only knew that the movie was about a musician uh, struggling with hearing loss. Yeah. I didn't know to what extent, and I really appreciated that I knew so little about this movie. Yeah. But it was really good. 
It's a really good movie. And I think you were right when you said last time on the podcast, it it's just on this side of being too sad. Like it, it, right. it's not at the end of it. You will not be despondent. No. Which was what I was worried about yeah. going into it. Cause you, you watch a super sad movie and you kind of go like, why did I do that to myself? It's kind of just a movie about, you know, accepting what's your lot in life. Like, just this is this is who I am now and yeah. let's go forth. And also the interesting choices you can make. Yeah. Like I feel like that's a big theme in it. Mm-hmm. And maybe I watched it at a fortuitous time. Yeah, maybe that's so. <laughs> yeah. Uh we watched I wanted to talk to you about this movie because I don't know uh I, I feel like this is an underappreciated movie, although I've also never heard a bad word about it. But we were gonna watch uh Dead Poet Society the other night. I've never seen it. And I've never seen it. That's one that is always like in the back of my mind. Never saw it before. Great. Um but I saw that it was on Disney Plus Star and I'm like, okay, this is my opportunity to watch Dead Poets. And so on Sunday night we were gonna watch it. And I think maybe Becky wasn't exactly like game. Like she she was open to it, but she was like, I don't know if that's the one I want to watch right now. And so I pulled it up, and in the recommended, because it's similar, is the movie Mr. Holland's Opus. Okay. I never saw that before, and I was like, well, here's another movie about a teacher, um, but it's he's a high school music teacher, and that was Becky's major, and so right. I thought maybe she'd be more keen on that, and she's like, okay, let's put that on. Uh, it's Richard Dreyfus, and um, it was one of those rare, I mean, it's rare for everybody, moments where you watch a movie for the first time and know this is going to be what I tell people is one of my favorite movies now. Wow unbelievably good crazy yeah. yeah like kind of like change your your outlook on the world good no way yeah they did a rewatchables on that recently and i, I know but they they um expire now on the rewatchable so i can't go back and listen to it oh no yeah. i i heard um i thought i remembered bill simmons saying something like yeah mr holland some of the things he does doesn't age so well that's true is that true okay yeah, but it's also, it's a 30-year story without giving anything away. Oh. And so there are times where Mr. Holland's not a very good teacher. Right. And there are times in his life where he's not a very good husband or not a very right. good father. And sure. so it's it's kind of warts and all in that way while also maintaining a tone of being like a pretty like, I don't want to say schmaltzy because that's pejorative, but like being ultimately a very sentimental movie. Right. Also about kind of dealing with your lot in life, but like. Uh, without giving anything away it's it's kind of a movie about like at the end uh, of your life or or time will go by and in one way or another your dreams will come true but your plans will not go according to to how you you thought they would and and so i so this is a, a top 10 of the last couple year movie watches for you it sounds like. yes i mean it's a 25 year old movie yeah um but it it's one of the most enriching movie experiences I've had in a couple of years, and we just like wept at the end. And Holy. I I just and a good good cry, not like yeah, yeah. I'm depressed. Yeah, I, I would love to talk to somebody who also adores Mr. Holland's Opus because it was so enriching, and I I, I want to watch it again, but I don't want to watch it too frequently. Wow, Dead Poet Society, you have some expectations to live up to. Well, and I think maybe one of the reasons Mr. Holland's is like kind of a underrated movie is that they're just both movies about teachers that change your life. And they came out in the early nineties. So soon. Yeah. So it just kind of overshadowed it. Right. Um, did you see that, uh, Jessica Walter of arrested development died? She died today. Yeah. So. She, I mean, she was 80, which is not that old. She just passed away in her sleep. So I don't know if there are more details to this, but people have been saying lots of lovely things about Jessica Walter. One thing that's a very, um, Slaney centric, I think, uh, I don't know if you saw this yet. Bo Burnham is going to play Larry Bird. 
Bo Burner's going to play Larry Bird and Jason Siegel's going to play Paul Westhead. Yeah, I don't know who Paul Westhead is. Me neither. Okay. I thought you would. No, no. I mean, he must have be he must be a famous white NBA player from the 80s. But is this going to be a comedy? It's a limited series. They got two funny tall guys. The Man. two tallest funny guys. So it's, it's produced by um, our boy Adam McKay. But listen to some of these okay. these cast people. So um, Michael Chiklis is playing Red Auerbach, who is the Celtics coach. Sally Fields playing Jesse Buss, who is one of the owner's uh, daughters. Okay. Or the owner's husband, wife, sorry. Adrian Brody is playing Pat Riley, who is still an NBA owner for the Heat. Okay. But these the are time, all management then. Yeah. At the time, he was a uh, head coach. Adrian Brody. You know, I was just thinking about Adrian Brody the other day. Yeah. Um, and I forget why, but I think I saw a clip from The Pianist. Is that his movie? Yeah. Uh, and I was like, I've never seen that movie. Neither and, I. and by the way, nobody seems to want to work with Adrian Brody, Brody except for Wes Anderson anymore. And I wonder why that is, except for that I've heard he was an asshole at SNL. Right. Because he he did a a fake reggae accent well uh, that and he ad libbed too that was that's right, a big no no yeah. for for Lorne they didn't like that yeah anyway John C Riley playing Jerry Buss former owner of the Lakers uh and then a few other people that I'm not super familiar Adam McKay with. can string together a cast though can't he oh yeah oh yeah so yeah so I guess they're playing it straight it'd be interesting to see Bo Burnham do that I'm kind of surprised that he's having a go at being an actor. Because, I mean, he famously got away from doing stand-up because it was, I think, too exposing for him. Now, it was deeply personal and one-on-one uh, -on -one with his audience, and I think that was screwing with his brain. Yeah. But, like, he made that movie, and he seemed like he wanted to go the auteur route. And then he's in Promising Young Women, and yeah. now he's in this. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's probably got other stuff in the works. Too. Siegel's also a thinky pain kind of guy. You're right. I think he says that. Uh, the I listened to the You Made It Weird with him on it. Yeah. It was uh, it was a solid listen. Yeah, I listened to they, it. They really got each other. They were on the same page. Yeah. For sure. I got all kinds of things here. All right. We'll keep going through. Um, people are not happy about Dr. Oz hosting Jeopardy this week. No. No. That that was not taken well at all at any point. I don't know what they expected. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I, I guess it's a CBS thing. I think you brought this up before, like in the early stages of this being mentioned. Huge mistake. By the way, Katie Couric, not that great, as it turns out. She wasn't that good at it. Who's been the best so far? I have not followed Ken is still the best. Interestingly, between Ken and uh, and Katie, the executive producer of Jeopardy hosted the show for two weeks. And huh. I think it was just like a scheduling COVID issue. Yeah. The guy's not a stranger to being on camera. He was actually a runner-up to Drew Carey in getting the Price is Right gig. Wow. He was also a, a producer on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Um, and he was the host of Beauty and the Geek. Remember that? Yeah. Wait, Beauty and the Geek. It's like a trashy reality dating okay. show from 15 years ago. Um, and now he's the executive producer of Jeopardy. So he's got a pretty good game show CV. Uh -huh. He was okay. And before I knew that he'd been on TV before, I was like really rooting for him. Because I'm like, wow, they just had their uh, their suit step in and like... and and handle himself and he did okay yeah and then i found out he's actually been on tv before and i was i, I went less easy on him gotcha i i thought you were gonna say he was your favorite so far no he's just fine yeah okay uh and and katie's really quite stiff right ken uh, jennings you like yeah ken jennings it's right now it's a clear pick really yeah yeah so he's he's worked himself back into the race who yes ken jennings remember when at one point <laughs> like his stock was really low that was just a bad week, I think. I think so, but it was related to that. Uh, yeah, what the can opener situation? What was what was it that we were calling this man? Like he had a title. Uh, 
I mean, can open her dad or something, yeah, right? Can open her dad. I it think wasn't. It was it. something dad, but he was like, "You need to learn how to open a can opener." What would be the can opener? Right, Bean Dad. Bean Dad. <laughs> it was Bean Dad. Bean Dad. He was buddies with Bean Dad, and that didn't look good. The oh, optics were God. not good. They're doing a National Treasure TV series at Disney Plus. Okay, I mean, I didn't see those movies, so honestly, they're, a, they're there's, very good. There's a chance that this has legs. The National Treasure movies came out at the same time as like the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Right. And Disney was putting out these like kind of intense family action movies. Yeah. And they're great. They're kind of like uh, the Da Vinci Code, but less pompous and just more rollicking. Is is Nick Cage fun in it? Sure. That's awesome. Isn't he usually fun? I guess so. I don't even know the last movie that I seriously watched with Nick Cage in it. I know Nick Cage is playing Nick Cage in a movie coming out right now. Okay. And it's like satire and it's it's got a long title that's something akin to The Unbearable Weight of Immense Talent. <laughs> okay. Starring Nicolas Cage as Nicolas Cage. Nice. I love it. Yeah. He He's related to someone. Isn't he like... He's a Coppola. It's, he's a Coppola. Yeah. He is a straight up Coppola. His name is Nick Coppola. Yeah. But he's not like... Francis Ford Coppola's son. Nephew. Nephew, okay. I think. Gotcha. I think Sophia's his cousin. Right. Jason Schwartzman's a Coppola, too. Really? Yeah. Wow. This is all very fascinating. Yeah, big movie family. Yeah. God, you write your own ticket if you're a Coppola. Anyway, the National Treasure uh, show is not going to have Nicolas Cage in it. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Who are they? Who's going to be their main guy? All new cast. Okay. I don't know. Disney Plus thing. Uh, Rachel Bilson is going to do the OC rewatch podcast. And in realizing, in reading about this, I realized, oh yeah, Rachel Wilson went away. We didn't have a spot for her. So she this did. is why she has to host a podcast now. Well, you know she she dates Bill Hader. Yes, I did know that. Yeah. I like that. I mean, that was a thing anyway. I don't know that we have any recent evidence of that. You know what's funny is that they were also in um, that Aubrey Plaza movie. We've done this a couple of times. We have. The to-do list, which was written and directed by Bill Hader's then wife. And they have a, a love scene together, which is quite awkward. And now they appear to be in a relationship. I knew that we talked about it. I just thought it bared repeating. Oh, it does. <laughs> it does. Barry repeating. For sure. I like Rachel Bilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but she's doing a podcast. What's Misha Barton up to lately? Less. Less. Less than Lizzie Kaplan. It's hard to do less than Lizzie Kaplan, <laughs> to be honest. No disrespect to Lizzie Kaplan, but she's not that Googleable these days. Okay, wait. We're going to check. Do the Kaplan Corner. I already checked today. It's you did? Just, it's just more party down stuff. Okay. Well, I mean, that's that's what's on Kaplan's Corner right now. Uh, Jay Leno apologizes for racist jokes about Asian culture. And when I saw that he did that, I couldn't think of any specific examples. But immediately I was like, oh, good. He definitely told those. He definitely told those jokes. Like, it, they, it sounded very... Um, it, it definitely tracked to me that he made jokes about, like, eating cats and dogs and stuff. Sure. And I don't say that flippantly. I mean, that's an example that was used in that, the articles. That he would definitely have made in the yeah. early 2000s. Yeah. yeah. And I guess because he, his Tonight Show, the world's different now, but his Tonight Show was was always an attempt at being kind of like edgy and irreverent. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. It was quite vanilla. But like Jay would make fun of people. Right. And it, it was, was in the name of comedy. So it's okay. It was like if Regis had a little bit more grit and was like going at people. It is sort of like Regis. I think Regis was more gifted than than Jay Leno. I think he was too. It's funny when people I think he cared about the show more. Comedy legends always talk about Jay Leno like he was the greatest comedian in like the before times, right? And it's just very hard to imagine. He was on Comedians in Cars at one point, right? Yep. He did that with Jerry. Yep. Yeah, 
I don't know. And then you hit listen to Kimmel. Yeah. Yeah. Tears, tears him down. Oh, that was a memorable moment on TV. Any chance he gets, he tears him down. Mm-hmm. It's kind of great. He Wait, just does it to. Did he, he interview him on TV? Don't you remember Jay's primetime TV show where Jimmy Skyped in and asked Jay a bunch of really like embarrassing questions about the Conan debacle? Oh, no. So there was a but segment. Incredible. There was a segment on um, on Jay's ill-fated primetime show between his Tonight Show stints. Right. Where they would do like a guest A, guest B, but they would also have like a secret guest C who's like a famous person who's not in studio. Right. And they'd be on the big screen. And it was like 10 questions with Jay. And so Jimmy Kimmel was the guest that night. And Jay would just ask him 10 quick questions. And every single answer... Jimmy would appropriate his answer so that it was a clear dig at Jay taking the Tonight Show back from Conan because that was already in the works. So good. Like, why did no one do any background on this? I, it was really stupid because I feel like Kim, Kimmel has been incredibly outward about his hate toward Jay Leno and everything it's, that I've read or heard. It's uh, a loyalty to Letterman thing. That's yeah, what it, yeah, it is. Kimmel loves Letterman and Stern also. Okay, Howard Stern also has all kinds of feelings about Jay Leno. Does he? Oh yeah. Why is that? It's a loyalty to Letterman thing. And okay, I think probably gotcha. has also he also has his own um, bad mojo. Right. Bad issues with the vanilla man. Uh oh, middle ditch. Yeah, man. That was only a matter of time. Remember, I don't know if we we've talked before about his Pete Holmes podcast. We have, and all I remember is that it was weird. I remember that the the vibe was bad. I remember him saying stuff about being like a little sexually provocative and at the time even going, man, this isn't going to age well. Yeah. <laughs> or like this, I don't, he's being pretty flippant, flippant about what he's kind of saying that he does with women. And This is not the what? first time he's appeared to be very gross. But yes, some allegations of... of groping and and just right. inappropriate uh sexual uh advances in a now defunct goth club thomas middle ditch is a goth apparently which is confusing well it was like a weird kind of like what i saw one thing about like a sec like it was like a comedy in the uh, like a comedy store in the front and like a weird <laughs> sex orgy club in the back or something basically this inspired a whole barrage of other tweets from people with like experiences somebody who wouldn't say exactly what her role was on a film set where he was working but you gather that she was like hair or makeup because she did indicate that she a portion of her job was to have to touch him every day and she said that she kind of contrived it so that she wouldn't have to do that anymore after she spent uh, nauseatingly enough time with him um but uh he had said something about how like i guess he would like show off uh lewd pictures of his wife and then he'd call her a moron and stuff in front of other people just like not a not good behavior not a good guy yeah that's that's so interesting because that came out a couple years ago right when he uh like it like him and his wife split up but they were like he was like talking pretty openly i think about them having like threesomes Uh, and an open marriage yeah marriage right yeah and he has apparently he has a bit of a i married a fan that's what i get for marrying a fan attitude Wow. Yeah. How'd you get all this dirt? Oh, you just got to click around. But... You just got to look around. Yeah, you just got to keep scrolling. There. Keep scrolling. The truth Funny, is out there. This, this comes uh, after I just happened to mention to Becky the other day, and I forget why. Um, oh, I guess he was on, um, what podcast was Ben Schwartz on recently? It wasn't 
Um, he was on uh, Armchair Expert. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, and I got to thinking, I think he has the capacity to be, he hasn't yet, but I think he has the capacity to like be the next comedy huge movie star. The way yeah. Chris Pratt and Kumail made that leap. Sure, yeah. I think that he has that uh, he has that charisma that's mm-hmm. just kind of, uh, you can't put your finger on it. That kind of focus. Actually, yeah. it's funny because Pete Holmes said like, it was something about selling or doing something with confidence and like selling a movie. And he's like, like Ben Schwartz is someone who I think about. He, and he's just like a happy soccer player. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. He's like, yeah, you just want to listen to this guy. You want to like this guy. Yeah. Speaking of happy soccer player, mm-hmm. I loved Ted Lasso. We didn't talk about how I finished oh, Ted Lasso. Amazing. Amazing show. I think my favorite character is Roy, the angry guy. Roy? The, oh, yeah. No, he's fantastic. He's so fantastic. All of, all of the, There's some great character turns in it. Yeah. Him, him probably being one of the best. He was just hired to be a writer, and then they decided, well, you should play Roy because you, you can do it. No way. Yeah. He does seem like he was like built for that, that Definitely. character role. Yeah. He looks like a former member of Oasis. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> but it took a few episodes for you to realize that he was going to be like a central focal point of the show. Yeah. Um, and he's, I don't know, he's just like, your heart goes out to him. I he's love here. Him. He's there. He's every fucking way. Roy Cat. <laughs> Roy Cat. Yeah. Great show. It was Absolutely awesome. Um, yeah. What did you think of Jason Sudeikis in it? His acting was pretty great. I've said that before. I think he's so good. Juno Temple, I think, only gets better. Absolutely. Um. Rebecca is a fantastic character in it. Really positioned to be a villain. Yeah. Very sympathetic character very quickly. Yeah. And uh, Nate, Nate the Great. Nate the Great is good. He's a solid character. Like yeah. everyone in it, even Jamie Tart. But at the end of oh, it, sure. you, you go, oh, yeah, no, there's some heart there. I think the point is everybody is made better by Ted Lasso. Like yeah. he just brings out the best in everybody, which is kind of a, a really nice thing to see in a show. What do you think season two will bring? I don't know. I it's, guess we need to get him like in kind of a new love story. Yeah. It's not a predictable ending to the first season, so they could go a lot of He sort of has a bit there. of a Mr. Rogers quality, right? Like mm-hmm. it's and and I was talking about that with my dad recently cuz he was a little dubious of it in the first episode like yeah, this sure. is this is cute, but like this guy is like kind of a ridiculous cartoon. Mm-hmm. And then over time you realize that that it actually has more levels to it. And I I said that reminded me of the Won't You Be My Neighbor documentary. Somebody who knew Mr. Rogers was talking about how people were often suspicious of his kindness or trying to explain it through like uh, military lore or like what's his hidden sexuality or like trying to figure out some kind of background that could explain why he's putting on this character when actually he wasn't. It was just very sincere. And that degree of sincerity is um a little alienating to most people because it's so hard to be that way. Sure, yeah. And Ted Lasso's like that too. He actually is very genuine. Right. But at first you're like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, it delivered. I watched it twice. Yeah, I'm going to go again for sure. Nice. That and uh, Mr. Holland's Opus. Going <laughs> to have a good happy night. You're going to uh, binge watch Mr. Holland's Opus. Simultaneously. Watch it like four times a night in fairness mr holland's opus runs almost the same length as the first season of ted lasso oh it's yeah. a long one that's a very long one you didn't watch the snyder cut did you or will you no okay <laughs> no just out on that one no i mean i, I don't think i will either. i didn't see the justice league no. movie so I, I don't know that i'd have anything to compare it to and then I, to watch a four-hour superhero movie congrats like i'm glad people like it better i think that's vindicating for Zack snyder yeah. i think that was bound to happen by the way i think people wanted to like it right 
Um, I'm I'm glad, but like I guess it ends on a cliffhanger, and people are like, a "New Snyder cut," right. and he's like, "No, will you guys fuck off?" And he's like, "This is years ago. Can you please leave me alone?" Yeah, I saw a interesting YouTube clip uh, circulating the other day. I think I saw it on TikTok actually. It's this guy uh, doing stand up in a theater, and I didn't know the guy, but maybe he was an opener or something. He was doing a theater show, mm-hmm. and he's doing crowd work, and he's talking to the guy up front, and he asks him his name, and the guy's like Zach, and then he has a a little bit of. Uh, a laugh at his expense. Like, well, you're like a, what, you're in your 40s and your name is Zach and kind of laughing. What do you do for a living, Zach? I'm a movie director. And then he makes fun of that because like, what a bullshit thing to say. Right. Uh, what kind of movies you direct, Zach? And he's like, or maybe he asks him, um, uh, what's your last name or is it anything I've seen? And, and, and Zach just kind of hesitates. He's like, uh, and then he makes fun of him. Like, ah, oh, you're not a real movie director. Right. And then Zach says, well, can you think of any movie directors named Zach? And the comedian's like, well, Zack Snyder. And Zack Snyder's just like kind of shrugs. Really? That's hilarious. And then the guy on stage is like, did I really fuck this up, Zack? Like, did I <laughs> did I really ruin something here? That's so good. <laughs> he handles it really well, yeah. but it's a funny moment. That's amazing. We watched um, Nate Bergazzi's new stand-up special I heard last it's week. good. Ross told it's, me it's good. It's really funny. His The Tennessee Kid is really funny, yeah. which was his, his last one. And this one also like... We we cried laughing at a couple. It's been points a long time since I saw a good stand up special. It's great. It's he's kind of, um, like I don't want to say like he's anti, um, John Mulaney because it's not even that. It's just he's such a dry, kind of like simple. No, that that's anti John Mulaney though. John Mulaney is complex and also flamboyant. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I I suppose it is. Yeah. Those. those those being his two defining factors, he. There are a few bits that he has that make me laugh very hard, and I think you'd like it. Speaking of John Mulaney, we watched a couple of documentary nows, including okay Blue Jean Committee, which he's not a part of, but did, then also the one with Richard Carm where they're doing the cast recording. Yeah, and they were funny. Yeah, did you you watch the whole series? No, we just watched a couple of random episodes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I, yeah, I've always it's been one that I've talked about getting into. But it's on CBC Gem if you want easy. Access. No way. Yeah, CBC Gem has so many brutal ads in it though yeah well they have one ad per show so you have to see it a lot yeah that's i think the worst part yeah by the end of it you're like okay we get it the mazda cx5 is amazing (laughs) (laughs) exactly well put black widow moves up to july it's they're finally acquiescing to putting it on streaming you'll have to pay a surcharge of course on disney plus or you can go to see it in theaters and what about bond nothing about bond nothing about bond nope they're updating all the watches and the phones yeah (laughs) Release in 2022. All right, let's talk about shows. I'm going to go first. I'm going to, because it's fresher in my mind, and I guess you've clouded yours with multiple viewings of several episodes. I'm going to recap the pilot episode at The Stand on Amazon Prime. This, of course, is uh, not the first adaptation of Stephen King's The Stand, I don't think. No, I think it, I I haven't read anything about it, but I have a feeling it's the most positively heralded version. I haven't read that much about it. I was kind of surprised that it was, I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves here, but I was kind of surprised that it was good because I wasn't hearing anything about it and I figured that it, that just meant it was critically bad. I thought so too, yeah. Yeah, but, okay. Let me recap the first episode. Okay, we're going to recap in three, two, one, 
Yep. There's some kind of man-made variant of the flu that is killing people like by the billions very, very quickly, except a handful of people on Earth seem to are, they're strangely immune, including Harold, who's a writer, and he's like, I don't know, 19 or something. He's got a crush on his babysitter, and when everybody else in their lives dies, they run away together. Um, there's also James Marsden, who has been quarantined after coming in contact with somebody who had, of course, the flu, the flu and he kind of gets some of the inside scoop on some of the research, the epidemiology of it. Um and then the world ends. There's a lot of time jumping back and forth between when the virus was new yeah. and permeating and to when it's already happened. And then there's this kind of new society being established with new infrastructure and new um, uh, dynamics, I guess, like yeah. like social dynamics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 99% of the population goes away. So yeah. it's kind of like the leftovers, but like it's pandemic caused. Yeah. And um yes, it's a it's a flu called Captain Trips. Yeah. Which I like a lot. Like what a strange th like I don't understand where Stephen King gets any of his names from. Oh, it's um cocaine. Really? Oh, yeah, are you crazy? Oh, okay, right. But at the time you mean like cocaine was the influence for it. But when did he write the stand and when when was he officially off drugs? I think this book was right there in the the cocaine fueled the, nightmare the, of the Stephen King. Thick of the coke. Yeah, interesting. Definitely. Yeah, there's some really. That weird... was when he was writing two thousand page books. Right. <laughs> there's some really uh, visually. St there's stuff that I watch in this, and I go, "Oh, that's just scary." Yep. Like, and I had no idea. I thought it was like a post apocalyptic. I thought it was going to be more like um, the road kind of vibe. Me too. Totally. I thought it was going to be desolation or like mad max fury road right like, like and it's not exact i mean we don't see a whole lot of like post-apocalypse in this right but like at the end of the pilot when harold catches up with franny and she's now in a relationship with james marsden yeah they're like at the farmer's market right so like it seems like there's some kind of semblance of normalcy reestablished. yeah it gets crazy yeah there's a lot of so far in every Steven Spielberg, uh, Steven Spielberg, Stephen King, like adaptate adaptation thing that like Satan is always involved somehow. Or you're like, is this Satan? Yeah. This is okay. supposed to be Satan. Is right? there a bit of a. Oh yeah. Oh really? Oh yeah. Big time. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it, we're at the point now where uh, everything that Stephen King writes gets adapted yeah. and in all degrees of quality. Totally. So like there's really good shit, Movie, really bad shit. TV, TV movies limited series yeah i think this is the best way you could release something like the stand because it should be a nine hour movie well and I, I thought it was interesting that originally ben affleck was attached to direct the show he was going to like oh. work on the show and and that kind of fell away but he was drawn to it because he thought of the stand as kind of like um lord of the rings set in the united states which is an interesting way to look at the stand right and then I also found out that that's actually what Stephen King was going for, was right. Lord of the Rings. He wanted to write something epic and sprawling, featuring many, many characters and this big saga of an adventure. Now, it's much more Stephen Kingy than Lord of the Rings, which is ultimately a big warm hug in the end. Right. Um, this seems to be much more harrowing than that. I think you'll like it. Um but there is stuff that's a little too gruesome for you. I mean, there there is in this episode. I, I could tell that very quickly that mm -hmm. this is good definitely give it my s yep and it's not even that it's you know how i sometimes say i can see why this is good it's just not my cup of tea yep it's not even that because i could enjoy it i think you would yeah but i i know my anxiety can't handle it right. and it's it's not just um 
the visible gruesomeness of it. It's the same reason I stopped watching Ozark. Uh, there's just this constant threat of someone getting shot in the head. But there's also kind of a comic bookiness to it. Yep. It's like very, it's almost kind of fun to follow along with. Yeah. It's, you know, not, for instance, Castle Rock, I think, was a bit too um, too dark, maybe. Right. There wasn't enough. Like That's funny, because that felt quite serialized to me. Yeah, I know. And th- this seems like, even like the soundtrack, it's like a little brighter, although like it's clearly like very... Um, clearly a dark story, yeah. but they find ways to kind of make it bright and pop. And so this guy, the dark man or flag is supposed to be, um, he's seen. And so a quick synopsis is like mother Abigail. People are dreaming of mother Abigail. Who's That's Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg. And they're also kind of having these dreams where they're like in the, the, a bit of like a desert and there's like a rock like rocks around them and they're seeing like wolves or there uh, are wolves in the first episode yeah and and um sometimes this man in the full like denim suit with the beard i think you see him oh he's the scars guard guy yes right yeah yeah so that's flag okay who is like satan interesting yeah okay so kind of like the man in black from lost yeah, yeah, and it's funny too because I I always think of everything through a lens of like, was it the '90s that Stephen King was like writing these? Do you think, or earlier than that? No, earlier than that, like Carrie and it, and I think Misery would have come later. Yeah, um, but also I don't know. Um, no, I think this. I, maybe I'm wrong. Hey Google, uh, when did Stephen King write The Stand? 1978. 1978. Okay, yeah, you're right. So that's a forty-three-year-old uh, book now, that's and wild. and it's especially wild considering the prescience of this particular show. So they finish shooting the show, they finish production oh, just yeah. days before they would have had to been shut down for COVID nineteen. Really, I kind of thought that they shot it through. I I almost thought they were inspired by COVID nineteen and shot it through. No, they wow. finished it just, which is just extraordinary. Totally, and and. The content of the show really appears to be on the nose too. I mean, not just the fact that there's this like uh, invisible viral pandemic that people can't keep up with, but the the use of the word quarantine, the mask etiquette is literally addressed. Like, I, should I be wearing a mask right now? Right. Cough anxiety. That guy's mm-hmm. coughing. Should I get away? Talk about vaccines. I wanted to be the one who who cured it. It just all felt right. so on the nose. And everyone who's alive is literally, they're just the people that were immune to it. Yeah. It's crazy. I wonder if there are people who are immune to COVID-19. Like, you just wouldn't know because they're not getting it. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't. I have no idea. I don't even know how to responsibly consider that. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Can we talk about Harold? Yes. Because immediately, I mean, they, they position Harold to be like an underdog hero. Totally. But, but in very little time at all, you start to see this guy is creepy as shit. Yeah. And then at the end... He has convinced Franny to run away with him, but there's some kind of separation between the two, and then he runs into them, and he goes back to his little lair where he keeps all his guns and his typewriter, Right. and he muses about wanting to murder James Marsden, and if he has time, maybe Franny too. Right. So this is much of a spoiler because you learn it very soon into the second episode. Okay. So they're all in like Boulder, Colorado. 
Which is another weird coincidence considering the events of the last little while. Right. Yeah. yeah. There was a, like a shooting there. In Big shooting Boulder. there last week. Yeah. Um, so they're all in Boulder, Colorado, because that's where Abigail has kind of summoned them. She doesn't really know why, but she can say people are seeing them, seeing her in, in their dreams and they're coming out to this Remingford house, um, which was the old folks home that she was in. And, um, and then kind of like setting up shop. So they like, convert a small town to, yeah. to be like a haven a haven where they try to get like electricity going and yeah okay what do you think were you done yeah i was yeah, done okay. i didn't uh, want to keep going what do you think drew whoopi goldberg back to acting about this pro- project like i mean she's great but like it seemed like she was good to not do this kind of stuff i don't know i was wondering that too and and is she, they i think they're making her super old in this obviously like how old is she actually though Oh, I bet Whoopi Goldberg's in her seventies. Yeah, she must be. Yeah, and she's doing like like the talk every day still, isn't she? Yeah, the View. The View. She's right. dealing with Meghan McCain every day. Who's Meghan McCain? It's a, it's you should you should try it and go as long as you can without knowing the answer to that question. <laughs> okay. You should just keep continue to live in that bliss. I'm happy. Okay, I I I will look her up afterwards though, eh. and it'll it'll probably upset me. It's just a pain in the ass. Okay. It's not a, a huge deal. It's not cataclysmic. No. It's just a pain in the ass. You don't need no relation you. to John McCain. Yes, she's his daughter. Okay, and she'll not let you forget that. <laughs> oh, that's that's um, too bad. She's she's that daughter. I think that's all I have to say about it. Interesting, like strange cameo from J.K. Simmons. Like you can tell very quickly that guy's gonna kill himself. So like he's not here for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, James Marsden's very good. He's like distractingly handsome. Yeah. I can't help but notice that about him. Is is there a Skarsgård in every? Stephen King adaptation? <laughs> no. What? what? So is, isn't there a, a Sarsgaard or a... Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. So is Sarsgaard and Pennywise the clown. Yeah, yes. okay. They're related. Gotcha. But no, there's not a Sarsgaard in every Stephen King adaptation. Oh, but... The, that would be wild. They are... Well, there's a Sarsgaard in both Castle Rocks. Yep. And now this. Yep, they're related. Okay. Yeah, one of them's married to Maggie Gyllenhaal, which is... I still remember Seth Meyers saying that there's never been so many vowels at one wedding. <laughs> I wonder, so he went to the wedding? No, but... It's just a joke. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, wow. Right. Sorry, man. I've <laughs> used all my gray matter elsewhere today. That's okay. We've done a pretty good podcast so far. I think so. But this recap is going to be very bad. The recap of Falcon Winter Soldier? Yeah. And let me just add one more thing, because sure. this is an opportunity to flex about my Stephen King knowledge. Um, the thing at the end where Harold uh, reveals that he's been putting all of his rejection slips, like as a writer who's like... I, I guess sending his stuff in places yeah. because of Franny's inspiration. He's used her motivation. Uh, um, and every time he gets a rejection slip, he puts it on this nail in yeah. his bedroom. And I happen to know that's a Stephen King thing because I've been reading Stephen King's on writing, which is his memoir, but it's basically like a textbook about how to be uh, a more pure and full writer. Okay. Awesome read. Really? Just like, and, and just more plainly, an excellent book about uh, becoming uh, realizing your creative potential and like uh, uh, having a work ethic. I think you'd like it a lot. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Yeah. I really like that. Uh, the The closest I think I got to a book like that was a, a book called Creativity Inc. By a guy oh, named yeah. Ed Catmull. Yeah. It was the like, Pixar book. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Kind of, but I think maybe a little too, uh, um, I don't know, like scholastic. Journalistic. No, less journalistic. Yeah, okay. More like, 
uh, kind of breaking down like step by step rather than just kind of oh, like okay. free flowy. Yeah, no, the, Stephen King's on writing is basically a memoir, but That's it's cool. but he's isolated it just to his memories that he believes contributed to him being a writer. I like that. And so it's a, a good format. I'm in. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. You're going to recap the first episode of Falcon Winter Soldier, which is a challenge uh, for the same reason it would be for me because it was six days ago that yeah, I watched it. Okay. I, I really got to uh, try to brush up here for a second. Okay. Um, all right. Are you ready? Do you think you can handle this? I don't. The characters are named Falcon and Winter Soldier. <laughs> okay, but wait. Uh, is there a hint you can give me as to how the show ends in Ep One? No. We, do we ever see both of them together? No, we don't. Okay. Okay. That's perfect. I'm gonna try to to get this off the top of my dome. Okay. You're gonna recap the first episode in three, two, one. Okay, so Falcon is uh, uh, basically kind of mourning the loss of his friend, Captain America. He gives back the shield to um, the, the, the Smithsonian or whatever. Um, anyways, uh, meanwhile, uh, the Winter Soldier is <laughs> Bucky, Bucky, who is uh, kind of having PTSD, going to therapy, uh, dreams of a guy he killed. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Um, and, okay, what else happened in this? Uh, there's a shrimp boat <laughs> that yes. belongs to Falcon's family. Right. And he's trying to get a bank loan to basically, like, keep the shrimp boat going. But, like, America has kind of, like, turned on him, even though he's an Avenger, mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that, he can't get a bank loan even though he is an Avenger, which is kind of an interesting premise. So, well, yeah, it seems like the the jumping off point for the series is the world dealing with the implications post the blip. Right. So, like, this is, like, kind of re um, recompiling all the, the rubble after all these people who had disappeared suddenly reappeared. Yeah. Um, which we actually, we kind of already did that in Spider-Man uh, Far From Home. Yeah. But now we're doing it apparently from like a socioeconomic standpoint (laughs) (laughs) which is funny i mean we gotta drill down on the numbers here open up the spreadsheet i I strangely appreciate it because you you can't say that happened and have me just be okay with like the world going on with itself yeah you're like mortgage rates would be fucked (laughs) which they are and that's what this is about yeah but there's I also think like it's impossible to to stick that landing and so there's there's always going to feel like because in reality if this had happened it would be a disaster and the world would essentially be over. Like right. it's definitely the United States would be over. And, and that's kind of because uh, I mean, capitalism would crumble. And also um, that's kind of uh, exactly what Anthony Mackie is dealing with. But it is interesting that he is like simultaneously struggling with whether or not he should take up the mantle of Captain America, mm-hmm. the guy who represents all of America in its glory. Right. Meanwhile, uh, his uh, ethnic background and his economic status is all failing as a result of the American experiment failing. Right. And I actually think that's very smart mm-hmm. and maybe a little heavy for Disney Plus. I think so too. I, but okay, there were two other elements that I missed, which were he was in the Middle East kind of like fighting uh, George St. Pierre, who was a former UFC, Canadian UFC fighter at the beginning. Okay. Which was amazing. Cool was like, planes, plane action. Totally. Incredibly cinematic. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It, it felt more like a movie. It was happy. It was an hour long. I I think I enjoyed it more than 
WandaVision. Like, I, I mean, kind of thought it was great. <clears throat> I find it hard to compare them because on the one hand, yes, it felt more like an Avengers movie, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure it felt like an Avengers movie for the right reasons. Right. Because it wasn't oozing with charm. It was just oozing with cash. You know what I mean? And like it was, it was, I like Anthony Mackie, um, but it did feel like an Avengers movie missing something like let's get back to, to Tony and right. Cap. Yeah. There, there was that whole element of the, the little soldier friend who was also kind of like working covertly. Oh yeah. Um, against this like undercover group this undercover like terrorist group i suppose they were yeah. kind of, like revolting well and then that big guy comes out of nowhere and he can just like fling people like flies super big guy so <laughs> my theory is that that's the new winter soldier because really bucky can't be the winter soldier anymore the winter soldier is who right. he's trying not to be right and so we we see this man kick kick a man who goes like through, through a building 40 feet yeah. and then he stomps the head of another man and somehow this man, like maybe he had extreme restraint. Yeah. But yeah, he like must have stopped it right before he hit his head because for some reason the guy's just got like a scar yeah, on his head. Yeah, this guy gets like, up and he's like, ooh, I'm woozy. He's like, ah, oh, Falcon, this guy had a strong <laughs> leg. I struggle a little bit with um, getting over all of what Bucky has done, even while brainwashed. It's mm-hmm. a little bit like Darth Vader deciding in his dying moments that he actually does have a heart and you're like ah you're right. not so bad oh, okay darn. but you murdered kids yeah and take and, off that helmet and bucky did too for 50 years <laughs> he was a programmed assassin to just murder innocent good people right and he's got a ptsd and he's hanging out with one of the victim's dads which i thought was really funny yeah um and i i do like the element that like he's a a really old guy which he kind of got with captain america but yep. it's i don't know i like revisiting that it's not public for this guy it's did you listen to the watch they were discussing like whether or not it's realistic that bucky would like sushi <laughs> considering no. he's from world war ii but that is hilarious <laughs> yeah. yeah there was a lot of stuff like that like how how long can the like covering up your arm thing go on too well exactly it's interesting that the whole show is about post um captain america but the show is essentially about captain america yeah and how long before chris evans makes some kind of cameo in this show in one way or another. I hope he does it as an old man, if anything. That'd be cool. As Joe Biden. <laughs> right. He really looks like Joe Biden. I don't know if I have a whole lot more to say. Um, Yeah. Oh, you give it your S? I do. I mean, yeah. obviously, I'm going to keep watching it. I do think it's like a little wan and lacking in identity. Mm-hmm. Like, it's 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 not... It, it. I think maybe it has not enough of what WandaVision had too much of. Right. Which is like actually a creative focus. And then, of course, at the end of WandaVision, it kind of became yet another avengers thing too maybe weirdly the disney plus marvel shows aren't ever going to be able to quite nail it in the same way that mandalorian did maybe who knows i don't know i don't know who the the singular creative uh focus of of like i don't know if there's like a a chief creative officer of these shows or if they all have their own little leader mm-hmm. and i realize the star wars shows do as well but there seems to be a governing body in Favreau Filoni over like right. what exactly gets done and who does it. Now would Favreau ever do a, a Marvel TV show? Why would he? He already started the MCU. He doesn't need to go back. I get that. Yeah. But it'd just be kind of interesting. It'd be a, an interesting project. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather he focus on Star Wars because I think he's killing it. True. I didn't expect to see Don Cheadle in this. I don't know if he's going to recur. It seemed like a really small part for him. 
Yeah, it did. I think it was just to give a little credibility to the show. Right. And I don't know. I mean, there's no reason he can't make It did do that for me. Returns. I was like, man, that's... uh. What's he, what's his character called? War Machine. War Machine. That's War Machine. War Machine. Hey, it's our buddy War Machine. <laughs> you can always count on War Machine. <laughs> you can always count on Don Cheadle. Yeah, that, that could have been another sign off for this podcast. That's true. You can always count on Don we, Cheadle. A very trustworthy guy. Yeah. Actually, speaking of trustworthiness, Becky texted me a TikTok featuring Will Smith, which I haven't yet seen. Okay. So let's do this together. We're gonna watch this live. Okay. Waking up in the morning, thinking about so many things. Just a freak accident. I don't know how I got into this. She was a freak. Okay. Wow. Okay. So just to recap, we saw uh, the the classic TikTok meme where uh, you know someone singing about something going wrong. Will and Smith is sad. Will Smith is sad. The caption is camera. Remember the rem, remembering the time I thought it would be a good idea to make a St. Patrick's Day video alone in a hotel room, and then it cuts to Will Smith wearing like leprechaun clothes, including like a schoolgirl's skirt. Yeah, and dancing. I didn't need to see that. I don't know if it's the schoolgirl skirt that we need to to judge as much as his. I don't know his uh, his shiftiness. Yeah, I mean, I never. I, I had another suggestive Will Smith thing planned. That was just impromptu, and already we're ample reason, ample reasons to feel a little put off. Okay, so um, there's this UK survey that asked which action stars would be best fit to ward off alien invasions. Okay, can you guess who came in first place? <laughs> Is this a trick question? No, I mean it's not. It's Are not Will. Me? It's not it's Will, Smith. Will Smith. Okay. Uh, who came in first place other than that? The Rock? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. And then second place was Will Smith. So the entire nation of the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. The entire United Kingdom. Right. Whatever uh, they are. Yeah. How many countries? They're, they're, they're a kingdom. <laughs> That's the thing in, in Ted Lasso. How many countries in this country? <laughs> um, and the response is like five. <laughs> yeah. Will Smith is, is voted number two. My point is they didn't trust him enough to, to, protect, him to protect against aliens. No. And he's been in multiple alien movies. And so has the Governor. Yes. Predator. Yep. Terminator. Yeah. I'm just joking. Terminator's <laughs> not an alien movie. No. But it could be. Uh, well, be yeah. But he, the, I think he kicks ass. I think that's the point they're trying to make. That's but right. Will Smith has fought aliens in both comedies and dramas. And he still only made number two. Great point. You know what's weird? I immediately just went to Independence Day. I didn't even start thinking about Men in Black. MIB. Yeah. Hmm. And he wrote raps about them. Yes, that's true. Well, that's not useful, though, unless they are soothed by that or something. Unless you can, like, calm their their hostility by rapping at them. And that doesn't work to me. No, I... I we, was... once, we once had an intern um, who I had to spend some time with. Uh, guess how many times he rapped at me? Oh, I think it was, like, at least three. Yes, the correct answer is too many times. Right. But it was four, I think. Nice. Yeah. But you... Kind of enjoyed it. Sure. I, I enjoyed it for this payoff right here, right now. Right. For all the wrong reasons. <laughs> so I'm thinking that if Will Smith were to do that to aliens, it would probably just make matters worse. Yeah. I, I don't think it would help anything. He might be dressed like a leprechaun. He, he, I, I hope he would be. <laughs> <laughs> he said that so sincerely. Like, I mean, in full fairness, that wouldn't I, be the worst thing. I, I think it's a decent idea. I don't know. I don't think we're painting a very trustworthy picture. That's why you never trust Will Smith. Never! Never!